a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Saturday morning, up and down the Wasatch Front. I'm Jay Catch, joined as always by Michelle Bodkin. Michelle, what's up? Oh, not not a whole lot. I'm I'm here on a Saturday. <laughs> as always, come on now. Uh, the funny thing is, so you pointed this out last week. We've been doing this show together for over a year now. Uh-huh. I had no idea it'd been that long. So props to you on realizing that, by the way. Like I said, very like kind of last minute, uh-huh. huh? <laughs> if if I've been actually at KSL for a year, that also means I've been doing this show for a year. That's a good point, so. yeah. So, always fun. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. We got Corey producing for us today. Corey, what's up, my man? How's it going? Doing well. Um, so, Corey, I think some people have gotten to know your name a little bit. You're uh, one of our more recent additions to the staff. Yep. But you have a sports radio background. I do, yes. Well, uh, you, moved here from Kansas City. Yeah. I uh, was a talk show host there, had a midday show for- Then why did you leave? Come on now. Uh, the wife. <laughs> We uh, had an opportunity sure. that the family could not say no to for her job, so I had to give that up, but uh, I've had a lot of fun coming here and being part of the sports zone here at KSL, so it's been a good time. Yeah, happy wife, happy life, right? That's right, yeah, for sure. Smart man. You, you, you realize that a lot quicker than a lot of people, it feels like, <laughs> out there. All right, so we're going to have some fun on today's show. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about potential additions to the pro sports uh, market here in Salt Lake City. A report earlier this week, uh, I guess over the last weekend, I guess, next potentially, but Elliot Friedman up there at Sportsnet up there in Canada wrote about Ryan Smith and apparently a meeting between him and Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, about potentially bringing a National Hockey League franchise to Salt Lake City. We'll let you hear the conversation that Elliot Friedman had with Jake and Ben coming up later on on today's show. We will also... uh, Talk plenty of Utah Jazz. Their season officially will come to a close tomorrow as they were eliminated from postseason contention with their loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Thursday. They got games today and tomorrow. They'll wrap things up. And along the way, we'll get to technical fouls. Five minutes of talk some RSL. We got a lot to cover. We also got to talk spring ball as well. Uh, Utah having, is it their first scrimmage today? Yes. Of spring ball? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. It's always an interesting one because... 
spring ball can be so finicky about like, okay, what's real and what's not when you're looking at it, but we'll get into all of that. But as we always do on the show, let's get to what the highlight of everybody's week. Michelle, will you start us off? Yeah. Like, I was actually trying to think about this on the way in because I was like, you know what? It was kind of a quiet week. Maybe maybe that's just the highlight of the week. Not a bad thing. Uh, after, after weeks and weeks of weeks of feeling like <laughs> just sure. like constantly on the run, this week was kind of slow, and I kind of liked it. <laughs> that's, not a, that, Kate, that's not a bad thing, especially in our industry, is having just a, kind of a, a slow week. I, mine was similar, but uh, I actually bought a car this week. Ooh. <laughs> Don't ask why. It's just it was time to upgrade. Uh, the funny thing about this is, is the car that I was driving, my my, my Chevy Cruze, mm-hmm. it predates my marriage to my wife. It's been it's been with me for a long time. Oh, the bachelor car. Oh yeah. It, it, she actually she she's known about the car the entire time we were dating when I got it. But uh-huh. it, I've had it for it was nine plus years. Wow. Long time. Yeah. Went through a lot of different things with me, and now I have a new new vehicle to call home and. It's kind of weird to adapt to a new car after being mm-hmm. so used to my rig that I literally had been driving four years every single day. I Yeah, I get that. It's it's always an adjustment to learn where everything is. I will tell you, mm-hmm. my car, I've had it for, it'll be three years in October. Mm-hmm. I still have not figured out how to change the time on it. So only it's only right half the year. <laughs> Michelle. You haven't been able to adjust the clock? It's really just more I don't care to. Fair enough, okay. Like, I don't want to sit there and, like, go through the hassle of figuring it yeah. out okay. every, every, every like, six months or so. So, it's you know what? It's fine. It's off by an hour. Sure. As long as I know the minute part, exactly. you, then we're good. You, have, you, you know how to adapt to it. Okay, that's the interesting. This new car, i got to say, I've got more technology in this new car that I've got than I can ever hoped i think truly understand and comprehend but nonetheless i'm i'm, I'm guessing when it, the clock switch again coming up in the fall michelle i might have that exact same problem i'm not 100 certain where i need to go to actually do that my old car i could have done it in about two right seconds. yeah like I, most of these new cars i just feel like it's too complicated push this button <laughs> go into this menu do uh-huh. this do that it's like i'm not gonna remember that nor do i want to pour pull out my owner's manual every six months to go through this process again so it can just be wrong for half the year it's fine i had to go through a tutorial literally with the guy at the dealership about my new car like he's like okay here's how you do this here's any questions i'm like so many but i'm i'm, I'm it would take Three we're, more, we're just going to drive away. Three more hours <laughs> if I were to drive away now and hope but for the best. The biggest thing is it's it's an electric hybrid. Ooh, I like that. Pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. Like the ability, it has still the gas engine part of it, but I'm able actually to drive from here, like from my home to work at, on one electric charge and oh, drive back. Nice. I can charge it here at work. So I'm not technically using gas to go back and forth. That's really nice. So, new feature, you know. One of those cool things. I like that. Technology moves us along. All right, Corey, uh, before we get too deep into the cars, what's the highlight of your week, my friend? Well, I was on a golf trip with my buddies in Florida this last weekend and got back on Tuesday. So that's clearly uh, got to go down to Florida and get out of the snow and out of the bad weather and play some golf. So that was clearly the highlight. What part of Florida? Uh, It's between Tampa and Orlando. It's a resort called Streamsong. Okay. Uh, They converted. They've got three courses out there. So I did that. And then Tiger made the cut this morning. Yeah. Uh, Justin Thomas 
self-destructed. Tiger needed Justin Thomas to, to self-destruct, to do that, and yes. he went bogey-bogey to finish. And Tiger made his 23rd consecutive Masters cut, mm-hmm. which ties the all-time record, which is pretty cool. Who who held the record? Do we know? Uh, Fred Couples, and I oh, think it was, it was Jack. Freddie I can't Jack. remember. Okay. I think it was Freddie and Jack. I, 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 just, I remember them saying he was going for a record-tying 23rd made yep. cut. So. All right, awesome. Well, I'm jealous you've got to get out of the snow and go golfing. But... Weather getting better around here. It is. Supposed to be hit uh, mid-70s by Tuesday. But I'm not the baller you are. You've got an electric hybrid. I I mean, come on. Trust me. (laughs) It was... I've been needing to upgrade my car. Did not anticipate the day I bought it I was going to buy it, but found the one and decided, you know what, let's pull the trigger on it. There you go. Congratulations. The problem is having a car payment once again. All grown up. It's been about five years since I've had a car payment. Literally, my wife and I had both of our cars paid off for quite some time. Adding that back into the budget. I know. Not fun. No fun. Anyways, but we'll... We'll make do. All right. Uh, let's uh, actually dive in and talk some sports. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books and my apartment. Smells of rich mahogany. That open will never not get old. <laughs> it's so awesome. I love Anchorman. Any of you out there know that reference? Absolutely. But uh, let's actually get started here, and let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Utah Jazz, Michelle. Uh, as mentioned, uh, their season will officially come to a close uh, tomorrow afternoon as they are playing today at twelve at one thirty, and tomorrow at one thirty. Uh, they play the Nuggets in their home finale today, and then they travel to L.A. tomorrow to take on the Lakers. Uh, officially eliminated from postseason contention with a loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Thursday. But I'm, in a way, I'm relieved the season is over. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, no, I get that. Well, the, I guess the, the bigger point is... is this was a team that exceeded all expectations. One thousand percent. Like the, I was 1, actually. I got an email last night from. They, you probably get the same emails I get. They get from like different betting uh, sites that say, "Hey, let's look back at like our projections versus reality and whatnot." And they were talking about uh, over under win totals uh-huh. for NBA teams. What they had sent out at the beginning of the year, how things panned out. Well, I, I had forgotten this uh, site. I don't remember what the name of the site was. They had the Jazz at twenty three and a half wins going into the season. They got to thirty six. So they okay. absolutely blew that number out of the water. Yeah, and that's good. I, this is a Jazz team that, let's be honest, since the trade deadline, they have been trying to tank. I, I don't think I'm breaking any confidences by saying that just based on the moves they made and everything else they had done, they were trying to get near the top of the lottery. As things stand right now, they're going to be inside the top 10 with an outside shot of getting uh, that top pick. You're, the percentages are all kinds of out there, but... The nice part is I think this team has proven that they've actually got a nice uh, couple of pieces to build around, maybe two or three, and the fact of the matter is they actually now have draft capital to add to that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, that that was something that we kind of talked about a lot throughout the season uh, is I, I think trying trying to overall do your best mm-hmm. to really figure out what you have that you want to keep and work with and build around – and I think they did that. So now now it's just a matter of seeing, you know, who do they trade out and who do they bring in mm-hmm. to kind of continue to build upon that little bit of success that they had this past season. Well, yeah, and that, that will also be the big question because, yes, they do have the draft capital. They've got three first-round picks this year alone. They've got their own, they've got the Timberwolves, and they've got 
might be the Lakers. They got one other one that uh, they can play with. Obviously, if you want to make a move in the draft, you can package those potentially. The other, I think, under-reported story, something that you mentioned, is that they have actual uh, salary cap space. Mm-hmm. They got estimated the the salary cap to me in uh, in any any sport now. It feels like it's a myth in a way because people are so able to kind of alter things. But the way it looks right now, the Jazz have sixty million dollars to work with. And that's a significant portion of money that you can throw at a free agent or at multiple free agents in an effort to bring pieces in. So uh, I guess my question to you is, with regards to where the Jazz should go, would you rather them, with a guy like uh, Lowry Markinen over there, you also got Walker Kessler, you got Ochai Abaji, who are young players, mm-hmm. would you rather them try and make a splash right now and go out and get an established star or stars in the free agent pool if that's possible? Or would you rather play a little more of the slow play Get built up through the draft and hopefully have a payoff two or three years down the line? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I I feel like I've always been more of a big picture person. Okay. And so I probably would go with the young guys that you hope will kind of stick around, grow together, kind of have that Stockton, Malone, Jeff <laughs> okay. Hornacek, like sure. that kind of just all come up together and, and they end up being legends in this city because it's been a little while since we've had that I don't know that I would really qualify like Gobert and Mitchell and I mean like they were around for a while Mm -hmm. but I don't I don't know that if they did enough to kind of have that same kind of aura about them (laughs) I suppose yeah so I I and I think that's what this city's like really kind of longing for I think that's what the jazz or what jazz fans are kind of longing for is, is a little bit of a tip of the cap to the old days. And I, I don't know that you accomplish that by bringing in established guys uh, that, I mean, the next year they're gone again, potentially. And and that, that's the thing about this is, (laughs) I don't know how much you, you pay attention to social media during jazz games. And, uh, the, the biggest thing with with how things of the conversations on social media have gone over the past month or so are that they brought in guys like Luka Shamanic, uh, who's the guy who came in from the main Red Claws, a former first round pick of the Spurs. They just announced yesterday they signed him to a multi year deal. Essentially, he's got a deal for the rest of this season, all of two games, and some partially guaranteed money to make sure he's on the roster going into training camp next year. Chris Dunn, similar circumstance, went through two ten day contracts. They signed him to a deal similar. The debate has been okay. Can a Chris Dunn, can Samanich, can some of these younger players that were guys they brought in and kind of gave a tryout to on those 10-day contracts, can they stick with this core and be a part of that moving forward? Or are they, as you mentioned, a one-year rental or in some cases have been like a 10-day rental? Yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of, I think, one of the hard things about pro sports it's uh, again we get impatient we <laughs> no uh, michelle come on uh, we want to win like right now yeah and uh it it sometimes i think gets a little bit easy for people to get discouraged to keep players on the bench when really they maybe need the experience and and that means that you have to kind of sit there and grind your teeth <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> watching them. Sure. Uh, I think Laurie Markinen is a prime example of that. He finally landed someplace that was willing to kind of work with him and, and let him grow and figure out, you know, who he is as a player out on the court. Uh, 
And so, you know, I, I mean, some of these other places that maybe had them for a minute, I, I, it's hard to say, but there, there's always that possibility that they're sure. looking at them now and going, well, dang, like <laughs> if we had just like waited a little bit, if we had been a little more patient, if we hadn't been so, we got to get this right now, you know, we might still have this guy on our roster. So it, but I, I mean, I also get on, on the other side, like you're there to win and you're spending a lot of money to try and win. And so if you're not getting results, you kind of have to, at some point, start looking at, you know, okay, how, how do we go about fixing this? Who do we bring in? Sure. It's a very fine line to tiptoe. Well, okay, and you want the, you want the cautionary tale? It's the Dallas Mavericks. They went out, made that trade at the trade deadline. Uh, obviously, the Brooklyn Nets were blowing things up. They they were moving Kyrie. They're moving KD. The, the Mavs hopped in, getting Kyrie, thinking, okay, this is the guy. This is the guy that's going to push us over the top. Him and Luka, they're going to be the combo that gets us over the top, gets us into the playoffs, and we'll be okay. Uh, instead, they're going to miss the playoffs. They're, they're, they are, they've, they've already waved the white flag. Uh, Kyrie Irving, as well as four of the role players, sat out last night in a loss to the Bulls, which eliminated them from the playing games. <laughs> But the biggest question now is, you traded a bunch of draft capital, players, etc., to Brooklyn to bring Kyrie in, knowing that he's on expiring contract, and the hope is to re-sign him, but he could easily just say, you know what, I'm out, bye. And all of a sudden, Dallas is like, oh, bleep. <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean, it's... I, I think the Jazz is a little bit smarter well, they, they, it, they've been, yeah, that's it, what I'm saying. They've yeah. been smart about building because they're not, they're not just tossing all their eggs in one basket. Right. It, it seems like there is a strategy there. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's a methodical strategy. It's not, it, like you said, a throw all your eggs in one basket and hope for the best. Like, they haven't been reckless <laughs> u- using everything that they've acquired sure. all at once. Um, I think they've been doing their homework and really trying to bring in guys that a will kind of get along mm-hmm. and put a good product out on the court but that also will be good cultural fits here and i think again that's maybe more important here than it is other places sure. e- even for a pro team yeah uh may, but I, I, it's, I, I'm curious to see what they end up doing, how how they kind of choose to proceed from here. Well, and that that will be the, the question. You're right. Like, What's the strategy moving forward now? Because you said they've executed a pretty good strategy, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Danny Ainge, there's a running joke uh, amongst media out there that if Danny Ainge calls another NBA executive, you just, you just push ignore. They, they, like he, he, he's been so good for so long at fleecing other teams. We're talking... Making moves and the moves to get uh, to tear down the core of the Jazz were in many cases highly, highly unpopular. Mm-hmm. But there is that famous story of him uh, sitting out there and saying in the draft room last year, "You guys having fun here?" He's like, he's, he's literally telling his owner, he's telling Ryan Smith, "You having fun here with no draft capital, having no draft picks? You get here on draft night and do nothing." And they're like, "No, we're not having very much fun." And he's like, <laughs> "But he's right." I, I mean, he is right. Like they needed to have something. Yeah, you, ha- you have to be able to make moves of some kind, whether it's in the draft, whether yeah. it's 
bringing in. Yeah, they were capped out and they had trade, no draft picks. Yeah, trade trading for players like you have to be able to make some kind of move. You have to be able to make some kind of adjustment every year. Now, some of those moves and adjustments are going to be bigger mm-hmm. or smaller depending on the year and what your needs yes. are. But when you're in a place that you're sitting, literally sitting on your hands and can't do anything, yeah. like that's a problem. Yep. It, that That's poor management. Well, and I, I will also, I'll say the one thing about the, the previous regime with the Jazz led by Dennis Lindsay, mm-hmm. they had pushed all the chips into the, into the middle just in an effort to say, okay, we've got two all-star players. In theory, we should be better than we are. Did they invest the wrong way in the pieces around those two all-stars? Okay, there's an argument to be made there. But they had pushed all their chips into the middle, and Danny Ainge came in and said, okay, you tried, it didn't work. Yeah, It's going to hurt in the immediate short term. At least I think they actually thought it was going to hurt a lot more potentially. Oh, I, I think how, all of us how, could, how could you not? Because you, you're trading away two all-stars, and you're like, okay, what are we getting back? Well, they brought in two guys, essentially got two draft picks in OJ Abaji and as well as Walker Kessler. And I'll say this. I was a huge Ochai Abaji fan going into last year's draft cycle. I, I, I was hoping and praying that the Jazz would put some kind of deal together to go get Ochai. He was a guy watching him play at Kansas. He was the most valuable player in the Final Four last year, leading Kansas to that title. I was like, that guy screams jazz man to me. That was, and when they got him in that trade, I'm like, I like that. My question was, okay, how quickly can he get up to mm-hmm. speed? And it did take him some time. He spent some time in the G League. But Walker Kessler, absolutely phenomenal. Lowry Marketing puts together an all-star level season. Yeah, I think the jazz, all of us looking at it at the outset, now as you look back on it, the hindsight yeah. theory, I think we all were like, man, this is going to hurt. Like, this season's going oh. to hurt. But 1000%. It played out a heck of a lot better than it, we ever could have hoped for. You got an all-star caliber player who is going to be the the piece you build around, the main piece you build around, I think, or at least he'll be the Robin to somebody's Batman potentially. Yeah. Then you have two emerging rookies, one of which I think is going to be a high-level rotation piece on the wing. The other one's going to be the pillar of your defense and is already offering at least 75% of what Rudy Gobert did for one eighth the price. It's in a pretty good spot, all things considered, in just about 18 months' time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can be too unhappy with <laughs> with how things ultimately played out. And we'll see, like I said, what kind of moves they, they can and do make mm-hmm. uh, this off season, and how it kind of all comes together in year two. But I, I think you have to feel pretty good. Well, heading into this offseason. And, and they kind of jump-started their rebuild in so many different ways. That's the nice part. All right. Uh, we will take a timeout here. I meant to also talk a little college football in this opening stanza. We'll do that next. Uh, you mentioned kind of it was a slow week. And yeah. it really was because oh, yeah. BYU took the week off. Like, players were doing training. Some of them went to Disneyland. Hey, Co- yo. Coaches were all over the country. Uh, so it was a weird week at BYU spring ball-wise. You mentioned Utah is kind of in a slow week, slow spring ball in a way as well. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk kind of about where things stand for both of those programs. We'll get to all that next. This is the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome in to the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch along for the ride on this Saturday morning. Hope you guys are doing well. The Masters uh, well underway. Uh, Michelle, did you see the trees yesterday that fell? 
I did see something about that. Um, you, did you see the video of it? It's I, a terrifying scene. Oh, I didn't watch the video. There's a whole video. Oh, yeah. Corey, oh, you, Corey, you probably saw it. Didn't you see it? Yeah, that's crazy. I've never... Uh, and the people are just kind of standing like, is this really happening? Yeah, and they're like scrambling to get out of the way. <laughs> big trees. Yeah. These are not... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw the pictures and they were big trees. Huh? Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and actually find that video. I was kind of trying to be like super low key yesterday. It was Smart. my day off. <laughs> And sometimes okay. I'm really bad about still, like, looking at stuff. Sure. And I really tried to not do that yesterday. Uh, good on you. Good on you, Michelle. <laughs> Props to you. It was just, it was absolutely crazy. Because I didn't see it live. I had, a, I had a, actually, I think I got to, like, get food or something like that with my kids. And I got home, and I pulled, I opened my phone, and, like, you know how, like, Twitter, it'll kind of populate with whatever's late. Mm-hmm. And said, I hope everybody's okay at Augusta. And I'm like, what, what happened? What do you mean? <laughs> So I start like obviously just search Augusta, and all of a sudden this video is on seventeen. These three just gigantic old growth trees, and it, because of the wind, just came t- toppled over. And oh you literally see, as Corey said, people scrambling down because they're they're lining that fairway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff. And they're back underway this morning. So assuming they got the chainsaws out there and cleaned up the mess and everything, but crazy, crazy scenes down there in Augusta. But yeah, glad to hear nobody was seriously injured by it. it just. Definitely. That could have ended horribly. Yeah. And instead of us kind of chuckling about it. Yeah. But it's just you don't ever expect necessarily that to play out. And obviously the yesterday's round got marred by the weather and something they've been kind of monitoring. They've actually got multiple uh, uh, groups going off 10. Right, Corey? Uh, Tiger Woods, Tony Finau among them. Yeah. Tiger will be actually the last group going off of 10. So he's going to tee off at the same time that Brooks Koepka and John Rahm are teeing off on one. Tigers in the last group teeing off on 10 because he made the cut on the number. Well, congratulations to Kepka and Ron. They're going to have actually a very light crowd considering they're the leaders, considering yeah. Tigers going off at the same time as them. Yeah. <laughs> he still draws. I don't know if, you, if you've paid attention. The crowds that Tiger still draws are insane. Uh, that doesn't shock me. Uh, he's just a, kind of a cultural phenom. Oh, yeah. Especially well, in the world of golf. So. I, I'm not going to lie. The 97 Masters will be ever for something I can just recall on demand. I, it was, it's one of those tournaments I will never forget. I was a young kid who was just obsessed with golf and watching Tiger do what he did, especially in 97, will forever stick with me. So one of those fun things. I, I know like golf's not for everybody. Yeah, but, it's not for me. Oh, come on, Michelle. I Have you played I have never played. I don't really care to play, but we need to get you out on the links. What I, <laughs> I what I do like is being outside. Okay, and well, well you've been a part of the Utah Social Open. Mm-hmm. I've played in it a couple of times. I I like being the designated golf cart driver, and and yeah. I will be here to drink all of your screwdrivers. Okay, so well, <laughs> sweet, even better. Okay. <laughs> Michelle, we're taking you golfing at some point here. We're going to have some fun. Uh, All right, so let's talk a little uh, spring football here. As I mentioned right before the break, it's kind of been just – it's been a really weird lull, especially in BYU because BYU literally took the week off. Yeah, you just explained this to me because I was very confused. I was like, wait a minute. Didn't we just, like, talk about their, like, big finale for Uh the year? Oh, no, 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 not their finale. It was like the – I don't know. The the... warm-up to the finale? Sure, let's go with that. (laughs) I don't know. But so they did four straight weeks of spring ball all through the month of March. Or they started kind of the beginning of March and they made it through early April. Did 12 of their 15 practices. You're allotted 15 by the NCAA mm-hmm. rules. And then 
decided, you know what, it's going to be spring break uh, this past week, and they literally took the week off. They had players doing uh, workouts. They would get in the weight room and everything and make sure they're keeping their lifts and everything going. But coaches uh, went out on vacation. I saw videos of some of the coaches at Disneyland, some players at Disneyland down there in Southern California, other players getting engaged. Uh, By the way, big ups to Max Tooley, their star linebacker, got engaged. He's on a trip in Costa Rica this week. So okay, so they they they're in and Max hasn't really been participating in spring ball. He's had a shoulder injury that he had to have surgery on to fix uh, during the off season. So it's just kind of been a weird thing because we've been go 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 with BYU. All of a sudden, like you know, what? we're gonna hit the brakes for a second here, and then we're gonna restart it next week. <laughs> They'll be back on Monday. They'll finish up with three more practices. Uh, we're supposed to have two more media availabilities next week. But in some ways, it feels almost the same as you were kind of mentioning about Utah, where Utah has been going, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's felt really... It's been very low-key. Yeah, that's a good it's point. It's been yeah. very, very low-key. Uh, and I I found it kind of interesting from the standpoint of very much like, I mean, it's pretty much the same team that, that's been around... I mean, minus a few pieces here and there, obviously, like Bryn Covey's no longer there, Mm -hmm. Devin Lloyd, uh, we're not going to have Clark Phillips or Dalton Kincaid, but for the most part, it's the same team they fielded since 2021. Mm, Good point. And it just doesn't feel like we're talking a whole lot about them. And I think it's by design, to be honest. I think last year, the hype and the excitement around them was maybe a bit much. Um, and I think they're trying to maybe keep a little bit of a lower profile. But I also think having, you know, your star quarterback ki- kind of a little bit in a, a limbo a limbo type area uh, with what's going on with him and his knee uh, also maybe plays a bit into that, uh, that, that there's a little more wait and see as to what, what to expect when it comes to Utah football in 2023. All right, doing a little uh, programming on the air. We're going to have Brian Taylor actually live from Augusta here in just a moment. So okay. Corey, Corey, we're going to get him on the line. We'll check in with the Masters. But uh, to your to your point, though, uh, I'm going to do this on the air. Uh, bottom line, bottom, very bottom one there on the phones. All right, so uh, now when it comes to, you mentioned the fact that it, just, it has been the same team, and yeah. it has been. Like more, more or less, you've you mentioned you've lost a Britton Covey, you've lost a Devin Lloyd along the way. Yeah, you're losing Braden Daniels this year. Like there have been guys who have moved on, but there are still so many holdovers. Mm. And you're right; in some ways, it kind of lends itself to the story kind of being an old hat in a way. Yeah, and I, I know that sounds kind of negative and uh, like a downer in a way, but it's not a bad thing as well. No, because it's been such a good team. If it, if this was a team that had been kind of scuffling along, everybody would be like. Oh my gosh! Like when when are we getting the new cycle in? <laughs> yeah. It's like I I think there is a little bit of oh let's hang on to this for as long as possible. Well, write it, yeah, write it, and yeah. see, see how much more juice you can squeeze out of this orange. Uh, to- but but I do I I think Utah's just been keeping a much lower profile this spring mm-hmm. than like last year. Last year it just felt like it was constant hype and go, 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 go. And it's just felt a lot more quiet this year. Sure. Uh, and I, and like I said, I think a lot of it's by design. Yeah. I, I think Utah kind of wants to go back to that fly under the radar bit a little bit more. Um, and I think they're perfectly okay with like USC and UW and Oregon getting more love than them, despite 
despite the fact it is the same team. And I, I logic says that if you're basically returning the same team, that you're probably the one that should be hyped more. But it, it's just it's been a very interesting spring. It's been quiet. Um, it, it's been hard to glean a whole lot. Uh, and it it's it fall camp I think fall camp is where things kind of crank up a little bit and I think that Florida game that first Florida game mm-hmm. is going to be absolutely well, massive and that's the thing about this 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 team has to get out of the gate very quick similar to last year like mm-hmm. you've got Florida and it's there's no warm-up game it's like we're jumping right into the deep end yeah all right uh let's get out to Augusta actually and check in with Brian Taylor from Bill Golf Radio heard him earlier this morning uh they're live there watching all things going on with the Masters BT what's up Hey, good morning, guys. I hate to interrupt Utah football talk to talk about the Masters. Hey, but, we, we talked Utah um, football with you. Come on now. Let's be real. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, so, BT, uh, I, I, I mentioned this right as we opened the segment. Uh, crazy scenes yesterday there in Augusta with the trees toppling over due to the wind. Uh, I know Augusta's like this fine, uh, well-tuned machine when it comes to their ground screw. How quickly was all that cleaned up? Yeah, I mean, you would never know it's there today, but um, that was a scary situation. I mean, I, I I have to think it's a bit of a miracle that nobody got injured. Yeah. You know, they ended up being a cluster of three trees that fell right there, and and thankfully it kind of ran, fell kind of towards right in front of the tee box. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people scattered. They said they could hear the cracking. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, – that's a <laughs> – I've been – we have a cabin up in the mountains, and we've uh, we felled some trees before, and it's – when that, those things come crashing down, it's it's scary. There's a lot of momentum, a lot of weight. And so uh, the fact that that happened, I've never seen anything like that happen out here. So I'm sure there was – I kept telling Bob, I wonder what that meeting was like. You know, <laughs> how the chairman wanted to know, how, how in the world did three trees just fall like that? That's amazing. So, But, uh, yeah, thankfully no one was injured. What has the weather kind of been like out there? I was just barely in Greenville, South Carolina, and had a bit of an adventure getting home because of the weather kind of tearing through the south. What What's it been like out at Augusta? Yeah, so this week's been a little bit of everything. It was hot and humid, um, just really nice, beautiful conditions for uh, for most of the week. Last weekend for the Augusta National Women's Amateur Finals, we had rain and some delays, and, and here we are again on a Saturday, you know, Friday afternoon, Saturday, with, with some of those weather delays. But you know what? <clears throat> As you know, in the south, these, these storms can pick up in a hurry, and a lot of times they pack a lot of electricity and power with them, and, and that's the stuff where they have to clear the golf course. Thankfully, we haven't had the electricity. The rain has been fairly nonstop, although right now we got a little bit of a break, and the clouds are a little higher, but, um, you know, it, it, they've been it's, – it's kind of soggy conditions. Here's, here's the good thing. Um, while it went from almost 90 degrees down into the 40s, which is definitely different, and the golf course is slower and, and longer because of it, um, the the Augusta National has had provisions put in place for years to handle weather. Uh, they don't they don't want to be disrupted or, or have situations where players are not able to get out there and play the golf course. So they have this massive sub-air system that runs underneath the, all of the greens and through some of the patron walk areas and that type of thing. So they're able to suck the moisture out, keep the greens in playable condition. And, and it's really amazing what they can do, quite frankly. So if there's any place that's suitable for uh, these types of conditions coming in and still hosting a major championship, it's Augusta National. And guys are out there playing. The cut's been made. Uh, third round's underway. 
Yeah, they're uh, sending groups off of 10. Actually, we're like, right as we're talking with UBT, Tony Finau hitting a shot there. Uh, and they're all these guys bundled up a little bit. But how different uh, does that will, – that, will, will that affect guys, having the fact you mentioned it goes from the 80s and 90s to potentially the 50s? Will that affect them at all in terms of their play? Well, yeah. I mean, the biggest – like I said, the biggest thing is the distance, right? I mean, yeah. we saw Justin Thomas, you know, on 18. He had his tee shot 237 yards. Correct. 237-yard tee shot left him with 217, and he hit a hit a, a fairway wood and, and missed it left of the green. So, yeah, I mean, it's – I think some one of the other players was mentioning that, you know, they had uh, 200 yards into number 17 you know, hitting a four iron and they normally hit nine iron into that green. So yeah, it plays very different. In fact, one of the interesting side stories that's going on in golf right now is this USGA proposal to roll the ball back, you know, to, to, mm-hmm. to make it shorter and, and try to control some of the distance. You're getting a little bit of a preview of what that might look like right now. That's the irony is in these conditions with the ball not traveling, you know, I mean, guys like you and I, we'd go out there and, and we'd be hitting, you know, fairway woods into all these par fours uh, with a rolled back ball in these conditions. So it is it is interesting to know. Who who has been standing out so far? Well, you know, Brooks Kepka put on a show for the first two rounds and he's just been, you know, he got a bit of a luck of the draw because he shot those uh, that 65, 67, and then he's been sitting at home mm-hmm. while everybody else has had to slog it through the, the bad weather. But, you know, what John Rahm did today to finish up his second round of, uh, to go 65, 69 and, and get to 10 under par, uh, in, in the, so he had nine holes to play to complete his second round and to go one under uh, on, the, on the second nine here at Augusta in those kind of conditions, swirling wind, heavy rains, you know, um, pretty impressive. I, you know, look, John Rahm opened up with a four-putt double on Thursday on his very first hole and then went on to go nine under par from there to shoot a seven under 65. And that's pretty amazing stuff. And yeah, I was impressed with him in his interview afterwards. We played some of that on the show this morning, <clears throat> but um, you know, it's the lowest round in masters history that started with a double pogey. So, <laughs> you know, he's got it going on and then, you know, he kind of had to deal with the weather. So he had it rolling yesterday too. He had it, he had it up to, I think 11, and and then this you know kind of exchange bogeys and birdies coming down the stretch today through the bad weather, so I you know I, I like both those players. If I'm not mistaken, this is the first time in Masters history that the two players have been in double digits under par at the halfway point. So um, players taking advantage of uh, some good scoring. Um, the other the other standout is the amateur. I mean, you just you, we haven't seen an amateur in this kind of a position since Ken Venturi back in the 50s. But, uh, you know, you got Bennett out there at eight under par, Paris 68, a single bogey mm-hmm. on his card so far through two rounds, and it's his first time playing in this type of event is uh, really unbelievable. So keep an eye on Sam Bennett. I think he's going to be fun to watch. And then Patrick Cantley off to a really nice start, three under par through four holes, and he's moved up to five under tied for six right now. So there, those are some of the guys that are making some moves and, and guys to watch. Brian Taylor joining me, Jay Catch, and Michelle Bodkin here on the KSL Sports Zone live from Augusta. And BT, uh, you mentioned Kepka. I-, I watched the majority of both of his rounds. You're right. He took advantage of the weather conditions. Do you feel like uh, with the weather today that he may come back to the pack in a way? Because you mentioned John Rahm. He had pre- pretty masterful performance in his own right. But do you feel like the fact with both of them at 10 and 12 under will come back to the pack at all? You know, that's the question. You know, we we visited with Jordan Spieth after his round yesterday, and, and that's all he could hope for. He's like, look, if you're chasing, 
you know, you want the weather to be as bad as possible because it could cause, you know, some big numbers out there and give us a chance. So, you know, if you're chasing and you shoot a couple under par, you can really make up some ground. Whereas if it's perfect conditions, you know, and the guys are hot, they're going to continue to, to kind of run away and hide and, and you won't be able to catch it and be too far back. Um, so, you know, yeah, it, it's certainly possible. I, I, I'm not, I, I can't see this being completely a two horse race. And, you know, Kepka's been sitting out for a while. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he, you know, he hasn't played for, for a little yeah. while. So uh, I, I kind of give the advantage to John Rahm. You know, he's been out in the conditions. He's he knows what it feels like. He's kind of got some of the feels. The greens are a little slower because of the moisture on him, things like that. So Kepka's going to have an adjustment period. Uh, but look, we'll we'll wait and see. Kepka's a bit of a stone cold killer in these uh, major championships as we've seen throughout his career. But it's just surprising because we haven't seen hardly anything out of him with the injury and some of the things he's dealt with of that knee. You know, we just haven't seen much of Brooks Kepka. And then his move to the Live Tour, even though he won last year last week on the Live Tour. You know, not. It's just hard to know what that really means to beat you know forty other guys versus to win a PGA Tour event coming into this. So uh, he's, you know, he's a bit of an anomaly. It's uh, the fourth time in his career that he's had a thirty-six hole lead or co-lead in major championships, and he's two for three in that uh, situation. The only time he didn't convert it was at the Masters. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens this afternoon. I'm not gonna lie, BT. Watching full swing, it looked like Kepka was that completely defeated. It just in his episode. So I'm with you. It's absolutely impressive that he's doing what he's doing. But you're right, he's, he is a stone cold killer. It seems like in majors. All right. Uh, last thing before we let you go, BT. Uh, a few years ago, when the pandemic was going on, you and Bob uh, purchased the, the the box, the Taste of the Masters box, and brought it over to the Zone <laughs> Studios. Uh, it's still one of the yeah. highlights of my radio career having that, and we had a great time with you guys doing that. Uh, but what is your go to there at Augusta, food wise? You know, uh, we're pretty spoiled here. They have a whole I know, restaurant. I know, I know they do. Pretty, yeah. <clears throat> so we're we we actually like uh, you know you can order up uh, you know you your two eggs however you want them cooked with sausage or bacon or some breakfast potatoes and then a side of pancakes if you want with some fresh cut fruit. So they really kind of spoil you. But let's just stick with the the concessions, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're out on the golf course and we like to be out there. This, as nice as this building is, I mean, you can, it, it always pains me to think I've come all this way and I'm this close to the most beautiful golf course in the world and not go out on the golf course. So sure. I try to spend as much time out on the golf course as I can. And I'll be honest, I, they have a ham and cheese on rye that is one of my favorites. Uh, that That's my – if I'm actually hungry, that's what I go to. If I'm going for just the taste of the masters and tradition, I'm an egg salad guy. I'm not a pimento cheese guy. Love the egg salad sandwich. It's very plain. So I like. To, so if I'm going, here's here's how far into this I am, Jake. If I'm going egg salad. I got. The, I'm going with the barbecue chips. Okay. Okay. If I'm going with the ham and and Swiss on rye, I'm going plain chips because there's just enough uh, there. And also they have a uh, that's underrated. They have a they have a barbecue sandwich. It's almost like a slider. It's not very big, but it's uh, like a sauced up, you know, shredded barbecue pork sandwich. And that also with the plain kettle chips that, that they that they sell that that that's money you don't need to go barbecue and barbecue right i mean no. let's, let's be honest you gotta have the contrast there right so um but yeah that's that, that those are those are kind of my go-to sandwiches um the uh the diet cola there's no name brand so of course we're in cokeville <laughs> out here in, in georgia you know headquarters in atlanta so i know yeah. it's, you know it's diet coke but it only says diet cola so uh, i i do tend to get through a few of those and then behind the clubhouse, I, I still I will argue with anybody, but whatever lemonade they serve right behind the clubhouse is 
a little bit sweeter and better than the ones out on the golf course. So I do have to stop in and get a little bit of that, that lemonade uh, from time to time behind the clubhouse. So those, those are some of my go-tos out here, but yeah, you can't really go wrong. And by, and by the way, you can do all that for about eight bucks, which is nice. That's crazy. You can buy the entire thing. I read this 66 bucks. You can buy everything on that concessions menu. It's absolutely <laughs> insane. Wow. All right. And I can tell you this, the much Georgia, the Georgia peach, Georgia peach ice cream sandwiches are pretty legendary. Those, those only yes. really started coming out a couple of years ago. And then they weren't here last year, and people were freaking out, and they, they brought them back. I'll tell you what they did do, though. Here's some insight. Okay. The first year, they were like full-on sugar cookies with ice cream in the middle. And oh, I'm talking wow. like sugar sugar sprinkles. Like, it was really super. Like, it was too sweet. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, I like it. It's great, but it was like way over the top. Well, they, I think they, the reason they went away is they were re-engineering these things. They've come back this year, and it's a little bit more like a uh, just a lightly sweet um, biscuit almost around that peach ice cream, and it is phenomenal. So uh, they, they they nailed it. They they got the two sweetness. They, they figured it out. They got it a little too sweet beginning. They remedied it, and uh, they were sold out um, on Friday afternoon. You couldn't even get one around here. So um, pretty cool stuff. Well, you know my dad, Papa Hatch. He's a big fan of that barbecue sandwich, and he said those peach the ice cream sandwiches <laughs> are absolutely phenomenal. I told him, hey, next time you go, I, I want to go with you. So we'll see what we can do, BT. But thanks again yeah, for carving out some bring, time it's hard for to bring us. Those back. <laughs> What's up? Thanks again for yeah. co- joining us and enjoy the rest of your time down there in Augusta. All right. Yeah, you got it. Always good to visit with you guys. Fun to be with you all week long. It's a. Uh, yeah, I always tell people it's a super long week. We've been here since last Friday. Um, but it always goes so fast, right? Sure. So it's hard to believe it's already been a week, and there's only one more day. So, hey, by the way, um, Bob Casper mm-hmm. uh, drew out is one of the lucky ones. He got hey. in the lottery, so he'll be playing the golf course on Monday. And uh, I'm still, I'm still hopeful for a for a second go round. But um, so uh, happy for Bob that he gets to get out there and play on Monday. Tell Bob we're all super jealous of him, but uh, and also just you know punch him for us because he he gets to play the course. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He's, he's he's feeling pretty good about life right now. So, All right. Thanks again, BT. Fun time. Okay. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. There you go. Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio. You hear them every Saturday morning here on the KSL Sports. They do a great job, and they have absolutely killed it down there in Augusta. And it's true. 66 bucks. You buy everything on that concessions menu, Michelle. That doesn't sound like a terrible deal. No, it's not. Yeah. The, the only problem is, you know, you have a, I think it's a 0.55% chance of drawing out for a one-day tag. If you if, as a regular patron, so yeah. you know the odds are not in your favor. But if you can get down there, you can enjoy yourself pretty heavily with not a lot of money. All right, so uh, we will come back on the other side. We will uh, talk about what's going on in this uh, world of sports, but more in the vein of who's behaving badly in sports. It's technical fouls, right? Coming up next, right here on the KSL Sports Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. 
You're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet. That's a technical foul. And if you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, office. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. As you heard, it is time now for technical fouls as we reward people for behaving badly in sports. And, Corey, I think yours is a good one to launch off on, so we'll have you fire first today. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't really say behaving badly, but just the team-killing aspect. Uh, Kyrie Irving gets my technical foul. Uh, When the Dallas Mavericks went all in, they were in fifth in the West. Uh Uh-huh. And Kyrie Irving was able to lead them to an 11th place finish uh, and out of the playoffs altogether. So you're in fifth, you go all in, trade for a team killer, and you finish 11th. That's about what Mark Cuban deserves for going out and going all in with Kyrie Irving. So I'll go with Kyrie for my tech. It's not a bad technical foul because you're right. They they were in firm playoff positioning. They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go get some people call him Big Research, bring him in, and it literally killed them like they're there they literally sat everybody last night because they just waved the white flag on the season crazy crazy times all right michelle okay uh there are a few things that i just you don't touch and you don't make light of mm-hmm. trail of tears is one of them uh the atrocities of our black brothers and sisters in the south oh, yeah. is another <sighs> This one is definitely one. WWE apologizes for using Auschwitz footage in pro WrestleMania promo. The pro wrestling body said it moved quickly after learning about the offensive offensive gaffe, adding, we apologize for this error. I just... Um, the So the Auschwitz Memorial Museum mm-hmm. put out... Uh, a statement saying exploiting the site that became a symbol of enormous human tragedy yeah. is shameless and insults the memory of all victims of Auschwitz. Um, I have a hard time buying that this was an accident no, and an not, oversight. No, no. Like, like this is just one of those things. Like you just need to know better. Uh-huh. Like, like there, there is no oops. I didn't really think this through. Like, this is just something you don't touch. You don't make light of. It's Mm -hmm. not funny. There's no way you can twist this to make it funny or amusing or entertaining. This caused a lot of hurt and pain and damage to a group of people. Oh, yeah. Just, like I said, listed off a couple of them. Don't ever touch those. They're, 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 yeah, you don't, they're just off limits. Well, let's just put it this way. I, I've got a grandmother who is from Germany who left Germany right before all this went down, and she's very sensitive to all that. So, yeah, it's no bueno. Don't do that. And, yeah, you're right. There's no, like, oh, I just found the no, – no, 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 no. Yeah. All right. I, I'm going to get us out of here on one, I guess, on a lighter note. Um so Jill Biden, uh, obviously wife of Joe Biden, president of the United States, uh, made some headlines, let's put it this way, last weekend by saying this, quote, I know we'll have the champions come to the White House. We always do. So we hope LSU will come, the first lady said. But, you know, I'm going to tell Joe I think Iowa should come, too, because they played such a good game. No, Jill. Champions only. <laughs> I think I get the sentiment. Yes. And, and I I like where it came from but yeah that that is just a reward 
for you win it all you win it all you get that trip maybe invite iowa another time sure but don't but, yeah but together no that that's lsu's thing regardless of how you feel about lsu yeah uh and kim mulkey <laughs> sure but angel reese like uh, lsu star player she ha- she tagged that tweet with crying laughing emojis and says a joke like she was like Oh, no, yeah, no, she no. was not having we, that. We ain't doing this. And by the way, I got to give cl- uh, credit to Caitlin Clark. Uh, handled what was a really re- – it, it shouldn't have gotten to the level it got to. The, no. The debate on both sides. But to Caitlin Clark's credit, she's like, no, she can talk. We're competitors. Like, we play basketball. And she won. Like, I, I – I'm a bigger Caitlin Clark fan today than I was before that. And I was already a big fan of her. She's absolutely phenomenal. Well, and she I she made a great point. And yeah. here's the thing is a bunch of people got their panties in a wad because <laughs> women were doing exactly what dudes do. Good point. That's all the time. And that gets celebrated. But, oh, my gosh, girls talking their ish. <laughs> And going after each other. You know what? As long as nobody's ripping wigs off or, uh-huh. you know— ripping eyelashes out like or fingernails like let them talk let them do their thing let them get in each other's faces here's the thing is is that really my style is that what i would do no but like a lot of competitors that's what they're like Mm -hmm. that that's how they compete let them do their thing it's not that big of a deal the fact that they're girls doesn't make that any different Uh, amen to that i just they're competitors. They're they're some of the best basketball players on this planet. By the way, the fact that both of them are going to come back to college next year and make more than WNBA players are going to make is just crazy to me, but good on them at the same time. Right. But you're right. The, the, they, they're doing the same thing we hear in every other sport. Yeah. Like, let them do their thing. And they're both alpha-level competitors. One thousand, yeah. Let, just <laughs> let them do their thing. <laughs> And treat them like the competitors that they are. They're competitors. It it went down a really, really bad path. It went path. down a really bad path. Yeah. Don't be that person. No. But anyways, uh yeah. It's only for champions, Jill. Just don't because she got herself into some hot water by saying yeah. that too. <laughs> Crazy week on the on the women's basketball front. Let's just let's <laughs> Yeah, we 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 gotta figure out how to uh Talk about handle that, which is exactly the same as the dudes. Yeah, it is. But it, I, it, it was so. I'm like, here's the thing. Like, they're really, really good basketball players. Enjoy that aspect of it. But you know, we for some reason have to do things differently with different genders, apparently. But it shouldn't be that way. Because you're right. Because we see the exact same thing. I trust me. You played sports. I played sports. Oh yeah. And it's a. It feels like there. We we saw a double standard exposed. Oh, Oh, one thousand percent. One thousand percent. All right, we're over time. We'll come back. <laughs> uh, we will. Uh, we're going to talk next. Uh, so, some news emerged last weekend. It kind of dominated the headlines early this earlier this past week about uh, the future of pro sports in Salt Lake. We have a report out there uh, from Canada about Ryan Smith and uh, some interest in the NHL. What might that mean for the future of pro sports here in this market? We'll let you hear from Elliot Friedman next, right here on the Saturday Show. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday morning. 
Uh, Tiger Woods wearing the hat beanie combo right now as he tees off on t- uh, number 10. Uh, three over made the cut on the number. Uh, Utah native uh, Mike Weir had a good first round, but uh, sunk to plus four yesterday and missed the cut. Uh, but Tiger making, as Corey mentioned in the open of today's show, uh, his record tying 23rd straight uh, cut. And Corey, you said it was Freddie Couples, and you, you looked at the other name. Who's the other one that has the t- record? The other one's Gary Player. Gary I thought Player. it was Jack, but right. it's, it's the Black Knight. The Black Knight and- himself. Freddie Couples. All right. So, yeah, so uh, cool stuff for Tiger. I do wonder how many more, um, how do I say this, how many more Masters he will truly compete at, if that makes sense. Like, he's got a lifetime exemption, as we all know. You win the Masters, just like Mike, where you can play it for the rest of your life. You have a master. You're in the Masters uh, Champions locker room, all that stuff. But that leg, man, he has been, he's been gritting it out, as he has been for the last year plus. But we'll see how it goes. All right, so I know you're not a big golf person, Michelle, but you're probably like, I'm learning so much today, aren't aren't you? I, things I probably won't remember sure. shortly after this, but <laughs> yes. In one ear, out the other, you know, <laughs> good times. I got I, I to gotta make space somehow. <laughs> sure, I, I, I understand that. All right, uh, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the future of sports here locally. Obviously, we have BYU, Utah, Utah State in the college scene. They have dominated for so many years. The Jazz, obviously, in the basketball sphere are the big dog. But they're, I, I'm one of them. I've always wanted to see more pro franchises here. And we do have two other pro franchises. Let me also acknowledge this right off the top. I am lucky enough that I do the pre-half and post-game shows for Royale Salt Lake. They're in action tonight, taking on Charlotte, uh, looking to end a four-match uh, slide. Uh, but they also have the Utah Warriors rugby yep. squad here. So we do have three professional sports but I speak speaking frankly, we have a big four in this country: mm-hmm. the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, and NHL. We have one of them in the big four in this market. The eternal debate is: okay, can they get one of the other three, or two, or all three of the other three at some point down the road in Salt Lake? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a effort to do that. Yeah. But when reports emerge, as we heard from Elliot Friedman uh, this past weekend, saying that Ryan Smith, Utah Jazz owner, also co-owner of Real Salt Lake, has met with Gary Bettman, the NHL uh, commissioner, about an NHL franchise potentially, that's obviously going to be everybody like, hold on, what? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Are you okay with more pro franchises coming into this market? And and I guess secondary to that, can we support it? I I mean, I would love to see more pro sports come in here again i it's good for business for us yes uh it gives gives us hey, more, more jobs sweet more jobs <laughs> you know i i think we have a lot of great up-and-coming mm-hmm. sports media talent here and not a lot of places to put it yeah uh so people either kind of wash out do it on the side <laughs> or they end up leaving the state and uh-huh. so i think having more things opened up that need coverage and and bodies on the ground for it is awesome um, I also just think from the entertainment standpoint, like, you know, we have all these great concerts that kind of consistently come through. Why not start adding more sports flavors sure. too? Um, as far as being able to manage all of it, I, I think we're getting there. I, I think we have to be careful about how quickly we start adding some of these things into the mix. But I I think if you do it slowly and carefully over the next, 
don't know, decade or, or whatever. It's going to take a minute, yeah. Um, I, I think the way that the state's growing, the city's growing, um, the way that we have a different kind of demographic starting to come into the state, mm-hmm. I, I think there is the potential for support there uh, and, and to be a cool sports hub city. Well, and that's the thing about this is they've proven the Warriors have a pretty good fan base. Real Salt Lake, they've had a they've got a very loyal fan base. Trust me, they they're they're not happy right now at Real Salt Lake. I can tell you that much because I do the pre half and post game shows, and my social media feeds after some of these matches have been yee. The, the, <laughs> oh, just way, the passion's still there. That's the thing right. about this is it's they not care. it's not turned to apathy. And the Jazz will always have the hearts of Salt Lake City. They've been here for so long. I've done so many different things, but I'm with you. I want more pro sports here. I think we easily could support them. I, I don't I, – the whole thing, the Sunday play issue, I'm, it doesn't hold water we're, for me. We're starting to get beyond that, especially in Salt Lake. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Way beyond that. Well, yeah. I, the biggest thing is going to be, uh, obviously, where would you put an NHL franchise? And that – I've said this on my social media feeds. Keep an eye on that land down there where the old prison was at in, in Draper. I'm, I'm not saying anything's done deal, but keep an eye on it. That is the logical place that you would build a new NHL arena. And in theory, you would build a dual facility where you have jazz basketball housed there as well as a new NHL franchise. So I say all that to let you guys hear from Elliot Friedman himself because he he detailed more of what he's heard about this, the, the timeline, all that type of stuff. He joined Jake and Ben earlier this week to talk about all that. So here you go, Elliot Friedman with Jake and Ben. We appreciate you jumping on. You had the big report that, you know, it, it was a throw-in in your 32 points. I don't want to say it's a throw-in, but it really caught fire here in Salt Lake City. The jazz owner, mm-hmm. Ryan Smith, met with the commissioner of the NHL in New York after the NBA League meetings as they were trying to nail down their CBA. And I think what, what you said was particularly interesting to jazz fans and local sports fans in the state. Ryan Smith is interested in the NHL. We knew that was the case. But the NHL is very interested in Ryan Smith. Can you give us some background? Mm-hmm. Sure, Ben. I, I, like, basically what happened was um, the Pittsburgh Penguins were sold a couple of years ago, and uh, they were sold to Fenway Sports Group, which is, uh, uh, you know, obviously a huge, huge uh, sports brand, owning the Red Sox, too. And uh, at the time, like, that was a bit of a surprise. That came out of kind of nowhere for a lot of us. But, you know, after it was done, we started hearing, like, who else was interested in Somebody put Ryan Smith's name on my platter. And they just say, just keep an eye on this. Because apparently, I, I don't know how serious it ever got, but apparently he'd showed some interest and there had been some conversations. And then this week, uh, uh, it was a couple days before I wrote, I heard about the dinner that Ryan Smith and Gary Bettman had after the NBA Board of Governors meeting. And... You know, it just and, and it's, it was it was a different person who called me this time. But it was when you get a couple of people who call you and tell you that this is a name to watch. It's it's a name to watch. Like these are two people that really aren't connected. Um, I don't think they would know each other too well. And so I started making some calls and, and I started asking around, and like nobody was rushing to confirm it. But nobody was denying it either. And then the more you talk about, the more you talk, the more you get a handle. And look, like I, I, the one mistake I think I made, somebody called me and said the one mistake you made is that 
it's probably more likely that the Olympics will be in Salt Lake City if it happens in 2034 as opposed to 2030. I thought it was 2030, but a couple people said, no, it might be 34. But with that, when that happens, there could be some new facilities that come in, potentially a new arena for basketball and hockey. And people just said to me that Ryan Smith is the kind of guy the NHL wants. He's smart. Um, he's a huge champion of the area. You know, I've seen the quotes from him and his wife about uh, in and around the all-star game about how much they believe in Utah. Some people sent me some uh, demographics of how Utah is a, is a fast grow or Salt Lake city is a fast growing city with a lot of tech money. Like all of these kinds of things are the kinds of things the NHL really likes. And I've just heard, as you guys said, that he likes the NHL and now I've heard the NHL really likes him. And I don't think it's imminent or anything like that. Like we've got a situation where Arizona has a big vote next month, and if they don't win it, we're all wondering about their future. I'm not convinced that Salt Lake City could be a home for the Coyotes. I think they want something new as opposed to something moved. And also, I think they'd rather wait a little bit. But I, you know, I do think that somewhere down the road, uh, this this could be a marriage here. You, you never know what could. I always say I don't know what could happen to me next week. I could be hit by a bus. But you know, like there's there's definitely there's definitely interest on both sides here. No question about it. So we're excited to have you on, Elliot, especially because you're obviously very familiar with the strategy of the of the NHL. And I wanted to ask you about the building itself. How important is the building, either having plans or starting or completing it? And I asked kind of we watched from afar the situation in Vegas, and it seemed like once that T-Mobile uh, arena was in the works and then eventually built – that was that was really kind of what what uh, sealed the deal for that market. I mean, is is the building that important that that uh, to if if Salt Lake were to land a franchise? Well, I, I think it probably would be yes. Like like one of the things I asked about was, and uh, first of all, I, I think it's cool as an old as a longtime NBA fan. It's going back to being the Delta Center. Like I just remember all those great Bulls Jazz games in the Delta Center and how loud it was. So I heard it was was going back to the Delta Center. I thought that was that was a cool story. But I guess you guys had a reno there. Yeah. And it, apparently, while it's pretty good for basketball, it's not seen as incredibly great for NHL hockey. It's not. So, uh, it's, it's not. Sidelines yeah. are tough. There's a reason when uh, the Olympics were here, they held the hockey events at uh, the Maverick Center. I mean, it's just not a great hockey building. Yeah, so I think that's the factor. I, I do. I uh uh, like I, because that was another thing I also asked about. You know, could it be a short term? Because my first thought was, like, if this Coyotes thing doesn't work, could they be in Salt Lake City like next season or two seasons from now? And I was told very unlikely. Um, and I think the and you guys know better. I, I heard the sight lines and the setup for hockey in the building. I, I don't think it's what anybody here wants to do. I think they would rather see if there was something new they could put down that would be a great birthplace for the NHL when it's ready. Elliot, can you give me some background on the idea of, I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit, whether you move a team or expand the NHL. Would it, it, Does it feel inevitable? Like we've talked about the NBA. It's inevitable the league has to expand. There's too much talent on the planet 
that guys truly aren't yeah. getting enough opportunities. Is that the case with the NHL, or is it more like Major League Soccer, where the ability to just add franchises and pump you know several billion dollars into the league with franchising fees is that is that the goal? Is that why they want to expand? Well, I think that uh, I, I think a lot of purist hockey fans guys would tell you thirty two is enough, um, but. Like the one thing that someone talked to me about was that if you take a look at the NBA, there's every team but one in the NBA is in the United States. So it's like there's 29 U.S. markets in the NBA. If you look at the NFL, all 32 of them are in the United States. If you look at Major League Baseball, 31 of 32 are in the United States. The NHL's got 32 teams. 25 of them are in the U.S. And I think this is one of the things that's kind of been talked about here is are are there good markets in the United States that they feel that they're kind of, I don't know, missing out on is or that really makes sense for a league that wants to grow. And I think that's like, like, I just think that Ryan Smith, Salt Lake City growing, you know, what could happen with your facilities if you do get the Olympics, as a lot of people seem to expect. I just think there's a lot, like, like Seattle's been a home run for the league. Vegas has been a home run for the league. They're two of the top revenue teams in the league now. And I think it's got a lot of people asking, what else are we maybe not seeing out there? Or where else could we go that could be this successful? Like, a lot of us in the uh, who follow hockey are kind of, we're tired of the Arizona story, but at the base level, I understand why they want to stay there. Like that's a big market, but I think people are looking at your market and where it's, where it's going and the strength of the ownership there. And they're saying this could make a lot of sense for us. Like there's a lot of time between now and then, but it's very much on the radar. All right. Well, taking advantage of having you, Elliot, uh, handicap uh, the upcoming playoffs for you, for us. Who are you liking? Who are you not? Who should we be pulling for? Well, first of all, I hope nobody's wagering on this because my <laughs> predictions have not been historically great. Uh, I, I would say that I never, I never pick the defending champion, even though it's it's because I think it's too hard to win again. Colorado's really good. Like if they won again, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I'll tell you this. I, I really think this year, Boston, they could set a record for most wins in history. I think they're constructed very well. I hate to pick the favorite, but I think Boston's really good. How, sorry to switch gears again a little bit. How healthy no is the NHL? I mean, we look at the NFL over the next 10 years. I mean, th- these franchises are going to maybe double in value. It's just crazy. They're the kings. The NFL is yeah. printing money. The NBA is signing this new CBA where the players were willing to give up a lot and the owners gave up a lot because the money is just so much they don't want to get in their own way. MLB, slightly more questionable but healthy. Is the NHL healthy? Is it in a good spot for the next decade? I think, I think it mostly is. I, I think if there are trouble spots, they are individual trouble spots. Uh, like Arizona, for example, is is a, is a perfect example because they just can't get the arena in the place where they need to get it to. So far, there's a big vote on May 16th, and that will probably determine the future. I think there are some places that are trouble spots more than others. I think generally the league is healthy. I, I, I the one thing I, I do think is that 
there has been more push to grow it even more. I think if there is a criticism that some of us would have, it just hasn't as grown as quickly or uh, taken advantage of some things that I think that some of us would like to see. But generally, I, I think the sport is, is, is very healthy. We're getting more good, for example, in the States, more good American-born players than ever. Like the best player in the – one of the best players in the league right now is a guy out of Arizona, Austin Matthews of the Leafs. Like 20, 30 years ago, you never would have seen that. So we're starting to see players come from the places that, you know, we ha- hadn't seen before. I just think we want to see more growth. Well, Elliot, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, great reporting, and we'll, we'll certainly be following very, very closely. Enjoy the playoffs. Well, I'll tell you this. The first Olympics I ever co- I covered were Salt Lake City in 2002. All right. It was a great, it was a great experience for me. I'm hoping I'll get to do it again. And uh, I would be very glad to just come on a road trip to Utah and make a quick stop in Park City on the side. I, we love it there, and we hope to see you in the future. There you go. Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet, and apparently he is a big fan of Salt Lake City and Park City. So good to hear that. Always great to hear that. Well, I think he makes a very good point. The Olympics could be the launching off point for something like this. Because in theory, let's say you get the 2030 or the 2034 games, you build that new facility for the hockey side of things and then at the same time the nhl says hey we're expanding and salt lake city's got a franchise that's moving into that brand new ice sheet you're building for us out there in draper yeah that that to me seems like a very natural thing so that puts it in the timeline of let's say 2037 years off 2034 so that decade to decade and a half time period mm-hmm. it'll be interesting yeah definitely something to keep an eye on uh We'll we'll just kind of we'll kind of see if anything comes of it. Yeah, it just it, Ryan. I can tell you this much. I know about I know about Ryan Smith. He's very motivated to make Salt Lake City an even bigger attraction. I guess the easiest way yeah. to say it. And other people are like, well, they got Las Vegas right down the road. Okay, you say it's right down the road, but that's people on the East Coast who don't realize literally how far away Denver and Las Vegas are from Salt Lake City. Yeah, like it's a six hour drive, folks. Like. <laughs> Not not the worst thing in the world, but it's also not it's not that convenient, yeah. especially in the winter months. Yeah, it's not it's not DC to Philadelphia or Philadelphia to New York. It it it's a little further away. All right. Anyways, I I for one I'm a proponent of getting more pro sports here because as you mentioned, it's good in our business too mm-hmm. to have that. All right, coming up next, we'll come back. We we'll get to five minutes of talk about some of the other topics we have not had a chance to touch on quite yet. RSL in action tonight. Whole lot more still to go right here on the Saturday show. Now, this is a bump back right here, Corey. Well done. <laughs> Welcome into the Saturday show here on the EKSL Sports Zone. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday morning, wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, still a lot to cover on today's show, but uh, when it comes to the we, – we were talking about college football earlier, Michelle, and I think we got cut off a little bit, so I want to start there to uh, on, in this segment. Uh, we talked about it. It feels like a little bit of a lull or just kind of been a, a, like a – it's a quieter year. Yeah, a quieter spring, yeah, in many ways. And BYU's actually been maybe a little more noisy in a way because they, are, they have— The Big 12 they stuff. They have Big 12 stuff, turnover with their offense, new quarterback, that type of stuff. But when you take an entire week off, you automatically just fall off the the the, the reporting wagon, I guess, in a way, or the, the news wagon, I guess. And it's, it's kind of funny that way is when it comes to stuff like this, we love covering our local teams— but we can only cover them to the level that we actually get the 
access to. Does that make sense? Yeah, there there is certainly a little bit to be said for that too. Because, like you and I, we we cover our teams as closely as possible. You're obviously covering Utah. I do the BYU thing for my podcast, Locked On Cougars, and it, it's fun to do that. But a lot of stuff we have to get the information we have to get. You have to be connected. Yeah. You, Hashtag sources. You, you have to you have to be a little sly about it. Yeah, and you it's have to fine. talk to people off the record and. It's such a funny thing, but the the nice part is, in a way, is that Utah, after a couple of years of really not letting anybody see anything, they've opened it back up a little bit. A little tiny bit. They've given you the 20, the same thing BYU's been giving us for years. It's a 20 minutes, once or twice a week, and... I got to give BYU credit. They haven't gone to like straight like, all right, uh, media's here. All right, punt team. Uh, they haven't done that. They've actually run some stuff, which is in past years it's been, oh, there's the media. All right, um, okay, we're going to do kickoff coverage, all right? Everybody to the stretch line. <laughs> it happens. It does happen. So uh, I wanted to get back to a point you made earlier though, on the Utah side of things. The the fact that there's still so much continuity with this squad. Mm-hmm. Is this the I guess is this the last year of that continuity? Does that make sense? Yeah. Is, is, is it finally is that core is it done after this season? I need to actually sit and take like real real inventory of it. Okay. I I think that's a pretty safe thing to say the on the offensive side. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think the defense might might still kind of be in their come up phase. Sure. Um. But I think offensively, you're kind of after this year, you're kind of going to be starting over again. Well, and we saw the defense kind of turn over during this time with the offense mm-hmm. carrying a lot of the load. And you're right; it'd be interesting. I just it's such an interesting conversation to to look at because every football program ebbs and flows; it goes in cycles. You mm-hmm. bring in these recruiting classes, and it's not like the pros where if you get a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers, yeah, they're around for years and years and years and years and years, potentially two decades, and you have that window open. With college football, there is a finite experience. Mm-hmm. With the COVID year, it's extended out to about six years. Yeah. But <laughs> previously, it was four, maybe five at the very most, yeah. where you had that group, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And, but, and you've already mentioned this. I didn't mean to hit my mic there, but you, you're, you're, you're still turning things over as you kind of go along. Because mm-hmm. Devin Lloyd came through. You've also had Braden Daniels, for example. I just saw a thing this morning that uh, he has scored a 9.75 RAS, which is out of a possible 10. It's number 61 out of 1,393 offensive guard prospects for the last thirty somewhat, 36 years. It's not bad. So you've had guys like that come through yeah. and they obviously cycle through. But the nice part is i got to give Kyle Whittingham and the rest of his crew credit. They've kind of supplemented that by plugging in guys along the way. Yeah, I I think the thing that Utah's kind of done really well that's helped sustain them even with, you know, the ebbs and flows of guys coming in and coming out for various reasons is that they just know what they're looking for. Uh, They know the kind of guy they want to bring in. They know the kind of personality trait they Mm -hmm. want to bring in. They know the kind of work ethic they want to bring in. Uh, and so I, I think, and that's not to say that, like, you know, some mistakes haven't been made. Obviously, like, you're not going to bat 100 uh, on, you know, I, it, it, some people are great at, you know, hi- hiding their true colors or, you know, whatever. So, like, it, it's not a foolproof science, but compared to a lot of people, Utah's very, very good. 
uh, at kind of just identifying their needs, identifying who fits those needs and bringing them in and having little to no drop off, little to no drama. Uh, it's It's been very impressive to watch this machine just really mm-hmm. I kind of just take off on its own. And it's just like year in, year out. Okay, we good. We good. We good. We good. And and, and the question will be, because I think you and I both are in agreement, like Kyle Whittingham's not super long for this job. No. Will that carry on? Will whoever, if it's Morgan Scaller, whoever, will they be able to just kind of pick up where he leaves off and keep it rolling into the future? And that's that's – that's years from now to really be answered. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's going to be a huge concern. Utah has been very, very spoiled with the kind of continuity. Mm-hmm. I think the plan is to keep that in place, sure. which is why I believe Morgan is, is the guy that gets the job. I believe anybody that's currently on the staff, if they want to stay on the staff and keep this thing going, the door is open and welcome. They'll replace whoever they have to replace. Uh you know, but I I think Utah, bigger picture Utah, the athletic department yeah. realizes what a great thing they have and they're going to do everything they can to try and sustain it. And I think Whittingham has done a lot to try and make sure that that success gets sustained. And it's very interesting because the Marsdens, when they left Utah Gymnastics, very similar thing. Greg went out and scouted Tom Farden. He he found his he, heir apparent. He yeah. found his heir apparent, brought him in, coached him up, mm-hmm. kind of did some training wheel type things. I think Kyle has done very much the same thing with Morgan Scally, to be very, very honest. Yeah, well, that, but that's the way it should be, if that makes sense. Like, that's the ideal situation. Like, mm-hmm. That I don't see any reason why you wouldn't want that. <laughs> if. If you have the full trust of your athletic department to kind of make those decisions and make those calls and Mm -hmm. put an exit plan into place so that the transition is as smooth as possible. And that's not to say there, I, especially I think with football, just because there are so many moving parts and pieces, I think there will be a little bit of a dip off. I, I just, I think there will be, there's a learning curve. There's a, there's a real, there's just so many people to try and manage and keep track of and make sure that things are moving the way that they need to move. You can't possibly be prepared for all of that. Well, and it's a different gig. It, like, it's it's a very different gig. Trust me, uh, Brent Venables, who is now Oklahoma's coach, he's taught he for years he passed on opportunities to become a head coach. He has been a head coaching candidate for the better part of a decade. And you know why he passed on a lot of those opportunities? Because he's like I don't want to deal with all the other nonsense over here. I want to coach ball. Uh-huh. I want to just simply be on the field with my guys. When you're a head coach, you get that, but you get all this other fun stuff along with it. The right. the media appearances, the the community stuff. There's so much more. You become a CEO of a corporation. Oh, 1,000%, which is why when some of these scandals have broken out with with these college teams yeah. and the coach pulls the well I didn't know well it's your job to know so you have to be aware. so yeah. you know either way you're kind of screwed in this situation because you knew <laughs> and you did nothing about yeah. it or you literally didn't know and it's your job to know it trickles up and it trickles down but it all sticks with you yeah it, um but so I that that's kind of where I see things being at uh I I 
it's going to be interesting to see how that all ebbs and flows and works for Utah. I, I think it will be probably about as smooth as you could hope it to be. But there's going to be growing pains still. I fully expect growing pains. Well, it seems that way because Morgan's been literally training at the foot of Kyle Whittingham the entire time Kyle's been there as the head coach. Mm-hmm. Did he join the same? No, he came in maybe like a year, year or after. two. Yeah, okay. He, he did a but, little stint with the NFL. And, and he then, also did radio with us for a year here on The Zone. I think. Uh, Former sports radio host, Morgan Scally. Okay, Morgan. Have to ask, we should get him you ask, when you have a chance to ask him next time, Morgan. What's your favorite memory of the radio? And he'll he, he will give you a look. I guarantee you, Michelle, he will give you a look like, How in the world did you know that? Because I know everything, he'll, Morgan. He'll, he'll be impressed though. At the same time. <laughs> I know everything. The walls talk, like. he'll be impressed. I, I can promise you that. Uh, sorry, I, I know you're making a point, so go ahead. Oh, I I don't even remember okay. what the point was. Okay, and so I meant to talk some other stuff, but I want to I want to pursue this one on one more fa- side of that if that makes sense. Because yeah. from the BYU side of things, Kalani Satake was trained by Kyle Whitting, mm-hmm. and obviously he went for the one year stint up at Oregon State with Gary. Yep, and then got the job at BYU. And Kalani, I just if you want an example of how things could go, I know it's a different program, but. If you want an example of how a Kyle Whittingham protege things may play out for, let's say, Morgan Scott, he gets, he gets the job, he gets promoted. Look at what Kalani Satake's arc has been as BYU's head coach. Had some early stumbles. Yes. Was an offensive coordinator forced upon him? Yes, it was. And I don't think that would happen at Utah. No. I, I, I don't think so. And I hope, I sincerely pray it would not happen. No, you have to be able to work with someone that you want to work with. So that contributed to some of the early stumbles. There was some other stuff in terms of just – being able, as you mentioned, to kind of manage the roster and know what's going on inside your program that Kalani dealt with not super well early on in his tenure. Mm -hmm. He has learned from that, and Kalani has turned BYU into a pretty darn good program. Mm -hmm. The culture is established. He's got a good core of coaches around him. He's doing better on the recruiting trail. The Big 12 is only going to help that in theory, and they're going into a level of football that he's already gone through the transition into going into. So if you want a look at, like I said, it's not a perfect analogy, right? but if you want more of a look of what the first five to six, seven years of what a Morgan Scally-like tenure could be at Utah, just kind of look down the road at BYU. I know it's hard for Utah fans to look at anything at BYU. I, I get all that. <laughs> it's the rivalry in all things, but it's kind of the microcosm of what you might be able to expect. A, a little bit. And as you mentioned, not a completely perfect match. I yeah. think Utah's in a much more stable position yes. for Morgan to take over than it was when Sataki had to take over. And Sataki definitely had to do a big culture overhaul there. Like Well, it was a the, just it was a different, yeah. Different the the over. culture was deteriorated and we kind of touched on that last week. Mm-hmm. Um but but yeah, it, I mean, there's still, I think there's just learning curves there. Yes. Uh, as you mentioned, the the roster management piece, I think, is going to be kind of huge. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it's what, like 105 It's 123 guys? in season. Okay. And, yeah. It, I mean, that's a lot of bodies to keep track of. Even at Utah, you still have return missionaries you're dealing with. Yep. So your roster, the you also, in and out. You have and, in and out of guys going on missions. The, the, the roster actually expands, in BYU's case, certain years, it can be 170 different guys, 50 of which are in the mission field. I know Utah doesn't have, doesn't have as many missionaries. Mm-hmm. But you still, it, it, they're still there. You're tracking you, all you that. Still, you still have to track all that. So, so I, I think some of that mm-hmm. is where the similarity 
is really going to come in and and there is going to be a learning curve lucky enough yeah. for Morgan or whoever sure. yeah. takes over it kind of sounds like Whit will kind of sort of be there yeah he's, in, in some capacity <laughs> it's not going to be a Barry Alvarez situation where he literally is like lording over you as your athletic director and having the whole thing about the Barry Alvarez situation is in fact he had the statue in his in the head coach's office of himself just remember, just remember who built this program. Gross. <laughs> that's not going to be like that. No, no, Ky- Kyle's not. That's not oh, my but, God. But, Kyle would rather roll over and die but than have a, yeah. <laughs> a statue of himself fully in an aware, office. Yeah, fully aware of that. But, <laughs> but you're right. He'll be around. Yeah. If you need him a sounding board, guess what? You can pitch yeah, the idea He'll be right down somewhere near, yeah. nearby. Yeah. So. Just still doing stuff for the athletic department. <laughs> I'm still a little unclear what exactly that is, but he'll be around. He's playing golf. That's what he's doing. He's gonna he's gonna be on the golf course, glad handing with the ex insert booster name here, saying, "Hey, you know that contribution you made last year? You let's wanna, do that again. You want to double let's, that? Let's talk about that again." <laughs> That's what the, it's gonna. Kyle's gonna do great, but he'll he'll still be around. Yeah, yeah. he'll he will be there as a sounding board. All right. Uh, coming up next, uh, we will round out today's show with some final thoughts and some of the other things we have not touched on quite yet on today's show. Uh, I mentioned we need to talk a little bit about RSL. We'll get to all that next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show right here on the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, this is still a jam all these years later. Uh, this came out when I was at BYU in college, probably the same age you were at Utah. Yeah, I, I was either probably a senior in high school or a freshman in college, I okay. think. Um, I was just laughing about it, though, because Utah, did you see the video that Utah football put out the other day asking the guys their favorite karaoke song? And oh, this, no. this was a popular one. Is that was yeah. Party one, in the USA by Miley Cyrus. One, All right. one guy got it wrong though and said it was Katy Perry, which I was like, um, no, it's not Katy Perry, but okay. <laughs> but yes, uh, this is apparently a karaoke banger for it, Utah football. Well, uh, yeah, it is because I would almost guarantee if you were to do that same thing with BYU's players, they do the exact same thing because they did uh, similar to what Utah did. I actually saw this the other day with BYU. They did your favorite Taylor Swift song because she's on her tour right now, and they to almost a man they went to her older stuff, like none of the new stuff. Like they were like picking like Love Story and all of the older Taylor Swift stuff. Okay, I was I was I was stunned because they're. The relative age, like they're quite young. That would have been like very early on for them, like in yeah. her first heyday. But you know, uh, I was shocked and amazed. Whitney Houston, also very popular answer. Like, are we talking like which one of Whitney Houston's? Uh, gosh, she, like... she got some bangers. Because don't worry, Mama Hatch, my mom, big Whitney Houston fan. Oh, yeah. yeah, she's I, great. I, yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's probably not. Yeah, I'm trying to remember which ones they said, but I just I kind of found myself going, really, Whitney, (laughs) Whitney Houston. That's where we're going, guys. Okay, Whitney Houston. Hey, I got I got respect for those guys who could who could pull Whitney Houston. Cindy Lauper. Girls just want to have fun. Who said Cindy Lauper? I don't know. Two of them were singing. singing. Oh, they were singing it. They were actually singing it. It was rather impressive. All right. It's a great video. If you haven't I'm watched fi- it. I'm going to go find it. Yeah. yeah I'm going to go find it. The, the answers were pretty funny. Those videos, I, 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 here's the thing. 
I don't care what program does them. If I see it, I'm stopping and watching the entirety of it because I just think it's hilarious to hear the different perspectives from different people. I don't care what program it is. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm I following it. It's just a fun look into their personalities, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Because so. you, you, if you know, like, guys, you know, we know the Utah and BYU rosters pretty well. Mm-hmm. There are certain guys you're like, yep. Yeah, that answer does and not the, shock and me. And then other ones you're like, huh. Never would have seen that coming from you, <laughs> bud, but okay. <laughs> One of those fun things because you're right. We... The nice part is a lot of these young men and young women also on the on the women's side of things, they've really got fun personalities. Mm-hmm. And the, I wish, and this is just this is me as a media member preaching from my pulpit. I wish you were given more of an opportunity to let them show that. If that makes sense. Yeah. The nice part is our station here at the KSL Sports Zone has been really good about the NIL space and letting. So like last year we had R.J. Hewitt from Utah and uh, um, Ben Bywater from BYU on with DJ and PK. Both of them. Really, really fun guys to get to know. But we learned things about them that I would have in a million years, in a million other media settings, would have never yeah. learned about them, except for them doing what they were doing with DJ and PK. And it's been the same thing up and down the board. You've done that as well. Yeah, I, I mean, some of the the golf tournament things that they oh, yeah. that they've been included in and stuff. That's been like a great opportunity to just get to know them in a little bit more of a chill oh, yeah. sphere, where it's not like, hey. How, how did how did practice go today? You look mad. Oh yeah, yeah, you're mad. <laughs> like, Let me stick a mic in your face and, and ask grill you, you ask you about like how bad practice went for you. Yeah, that that's a real. <laughs> it's so much out of that. It's so much. They end up loving you so much after that. No, it's it's fun. Some of these nil things that kind of open it up. Mm-hmm. The Sunday suppers. The yeah. Like I said, the golf tournaments, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things I've been at where it's just um, the kids on the move stuff, sure. where where it's just a much more laid back situation. And I'm not necessarily there to to find out how football's going. Let's talk about what's going on in practice. No, yeah. I, yeah. That's what um, it's about. It, it's, it, it, that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, um, real quick before we go here, RSL in action tonight. Looking at a four match slide. Uh, pregame on that will be at six thirty. Excited to be out there at uh, AFF America First Field. Uh, I know Corey, you're going to the game as a fan tonight. Uh, here's the hope that they actually can win for us tonight. All right, this has been rough. Three goals in five matches is not fun. I mean, the first Ooh. game, the comeback, and it was like, hey, yeah. this might be a fun. Uh, well, they were more like they were last year. They had that fight, the mm-hmm. ex dog that they had going on. It's not been that way for the last four matches. It's been. It's been rough going. Like we got we got done with last week's match, and we got to post game. I, I don't know if you guys heard it. I opened the post game. I'm like, all right. Uh, so Spencer Warren Lauren, who I do the post game with, I'm like, all right, guys, what do you want to talk about? Literally on the air, <laughs> and they kind of gave me this look like, hmm, great question. <laughs> you don't want to be apathetic this early yeah. in the season, but they're in danger of yeah. losing, you know, real interest in the season. Like people will still go to the games, and people sure. will still cheer for them. But they're in danger of like losing true passionate interest for the season yeah. because man, it's it's been rough. Yeah, it has been. Uh, so we'll see what happens tonight. Um, by the way, some breaking news on the Utah Jazz front, literally just coming down from Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, the Utah Jazz are signing free agent center Vernon Carey Jr. for the rest of the season, aka today and tomorrow, and also for the 2023-2024 season. He played 11 games for the Wizards this past year. He'll get a chance with the Jazz summer league team in July. So. Bolstering that roster, considering I think it's six or seven guys for the Jazz are sitting out, and they're going to play. Their pregame starts in about a half hour here. And uh, last thing before we go, this is a tip of the cap to you, Corey. Our good friend Osteo Mathwing says we were just rickrolled by the KSL Sports Zone in our last segment. So 
final word to osteomath. Michelle, anything for you before we go? No, I think we pretty well covered it. All right. Well, uh, thank you for tuning in. As mentioned, Utah Jazz pregame coverage comes your way at 1230. Jake Scott, Tim Lacombe getting you ready for the uh, the home finale for the Utah Jazz against the Denver Nuggets. As I mentioned, RSL also in action tonight, pregame at 630. Until next week, have a great one, everybody. This has been the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.